coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Our bodies are not ready. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including Reggie fils retirement. And then on Thursday, we are going to be talking about Game Boy games that deserve to get the Lynx Awakening treatment. Uh, but in the meantime, Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, point of order. Okay, I will I will accept a, a, a point of order at this time. So on... Uh, in your intro, you uh-huh. always say joined as always by my co-host Mark Mitchell. Yeah, and what are you saying, Mark? <laughs> in March next month, that won't always be the case. Now, what are you talking about? <laughs> For once in the th- two-year, more than two-year history of this show, our schedules do not align perfectly. That's right. To allow us to record news episodes together. Every week in March. That's right. But mm-hmm. you're always going to have NCS will go on. We will have two episodes That's right. every week for the entire month of March. You'll get a news episode. You'll get a feature episode. And I'll be here for every feature episode. Mm-hmm. And Patrick is going to have an awesome uh, guest host yep. on every single news episode. Yep. Guest host made up of some of our previous guests and uh, at, at least one that we haven't heard from before. Um, I think it'll be a, a good month. And, uh, you know, we've got, you you know what these feature episodes are already because we've been talking about them for about a month. We're talking about retro month, baby. We're talking about weird retro sequels. Every week in March, we are going to be talking about a weird old sequel. Um, the first week we're doing Zelda 2. The second week we're doing Mario, Super Mario Land 2. The third week we're doing Zoda's Revenge, which is Star Tropics 2. And then on the uh, fourth and final week, we are doing Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. We would love... If you've played these games in the past, if you're playing them for the first time, send us your thoughts, feelings on them. Um, your thoughts, feelings. Yeah. And it, look, if anyone's got any feelings, thoughts, get those out of here. <laughs> no, thank you. We want thoughts, feelings. We're a serious show. That is correct. Speaking of being a serious show. Uh, oh, well, for all of that, you should send an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. But we are a serious show. If you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can do that. Here's the thing. You don't have to be happy about it. No. In, in fact, it's maybe more fun if you're unhappy about it. If you're begrudgingly borrowing my copy of Sonic Forces, that is all the better. You should email us your mailing address to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. I send you my copy of this game for Switch. You play it for as long as you like. You deface it or destroy it or whatever and send it back. It costs you nothing. It doesn't get any better than that. No, it, it certainly does not. All right, Mark, let's get into uh, what we've been playing this week. So a lot of times on these episodes, we're looking at a list of new releases, and we're all talk, no sugar. Mm. You know, we're like, oh, this- that old saying, all talk, <laughs> no sugar. 
Every old saying had to have an origin. That's true. That's true. This is the origin of all talk, no sugar. So why don't, you, why don't you lay the sugar on me, Mark? Well, we're looking at these lists. We're uh-huh. like, oh, what on this sounds interesting? And, you know, we pick one or two games. That we're like, this sounds mildly interesting. Would you pick this up? The answer is always no. I would never pick this up. I'm not actually going to spend money on this game that's mildly interesting because I don't know enough about it. Right. And I mean, sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes we do pick it up. That's right. And even then, you know, whether we're going to spend more than like five minutes with it, kind of a (laughs) crapshoot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so last week we talked a little bit about Steins Gate Elite, which is a visual novel that was released for the Switch last uh, week. And... You know, I said I had never played a visual novel before. The idea was intriguing to me. So I went ahead and picked it up. Uh, and tell me about your experience with Stein's Gate Elite. So uh, here's the thing, is that a visual novel is exactly what's on the tin. And for whatever reason, like, I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around that. Where it's like, it literally is just... Um, are you are you making choices in it or? Uh, not thus far, but I'm. I should say I'm not super far into the game. Okay, I've played like the prologue and the beginning of the first chapter, and thus far it's just like you're just reading text boxes, and there's like voice acting. I have it set to Japanese. I don't think there's an English option, but uh, I would not want it in English anyways. Is it like fully voice acted or is it? Yeah, so oh, it's okay. fully voice acted. It's animated using uh my understanding the cuts or not cutscenes like the animation from the Steinsgate anime. Uh-huh. And um it's basically just like reading a book but with animated backgrounds. Huh. The thing that makes it um maybe I need to mess around with the settings a little bit is like I can read much like if it was text on a page I'd be able to just like blaze through it. Yeah, sure. But I don't think that that's supposed to be the way that you approach these. I think you're supposed to like enjoy the fact that it's accompanied by like animation and voice acting and everything. So in that way it feels a little a little slow yeah. where it's like I'm just spending the entire time like jamming the button just be like okay, okay, like I can read it in like 2 seconds, but you're it's taking you like 15 seconds to go through the whole thing. Yeah. And you can speed it up. So um, if you want to reveal the whole text, you just push, you know, like a button and it'll skip from one voice acting to the next. And it does it actually really gracefully if you are yeah. like, okay, I'm done like hearing this and everything. The story's like fun. It's, it, uh, the art is nice. Like ever, everything about it is nice. It's just like my first time experiencing a visual novel. And I keep waiting it waiting for it to be a little bit more, but I think that's a failing of myself and not like a failing of the game, which is sure, you're bringing very clear ex- about what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. It says it's a visual novel. You should trust that it is what it says it is. Exactly. Um, that's, it's interesting because like what I know of uh, you playing video games is you are not one to like really dwell on the like writing in a game or like cutscenes or anything like that. Um but like when you just give yourself over to the fact that like that's all the game is, uh, that seems like it's more enjoyable then. Or, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I'm really not sure. sure. Like, uh, I don't know that I'm enjoying it. Like, part of me is just feels like I should just be watching the anime. Yeah, especially when you know that exists and that it's using a lot of the same animation. Maybe exactly. So it's a, it's a weird combination of things that I don't know is entirely for me, but I am glad I picked it up. 
and I find the story interesting. Like, I might watch the Steins Gate anime instead of trying to make my way through the visual novel. Uh, I know that it does open up into, like, branching paths. So, okay, so you, there, there is, there like, is a choose-your-own-adventure, yeah. like, choice in there. And obviously, the anime doesn't have that. So, I can definitely see how fans of the series would appreciate this other approach. I mean, we live in a post-Bandersnatch world. You could just make the, make the anime the choose-your-own-adventure version of itself. You could, but not retroactively. Well, yes. Also, because I pre-ordered the game uh, digitally, it came with, like, an 8-bit bonus game. It's basically, like, Steins Gate 8-bit, and it plays like a, uh 8-bit adventure game that you would find on, like, the Famicom or something. Oh, crazy. Which is a really fun idea. Uh, the opening, basically, I think I'm unclear, but it seems to me that, like, the game is, takes place after the canonical story of oh. Steins Gate, and so... Spoilers abound. Exactly, especially <laughs> in the beginning when it's basically like, here, let me catch you up on what happened. So it's definitely a, <laughs> it's definitely a fans-only affair, uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. Very, very interesting. I'm glad I picked it up. I'm glad that I experienced it. I don't know the visual novels are necessarily for me. Maybe having less animation would actually be better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I'm uh, so I am still playing through uh, Final Fantasy IX. I have slowed my pace on it a little bit, um, but part of that is because the game does not stop throwing you into scenarios where you're just kind of reading what's going on for a long time. Um, or like they just dump you into a town. And uh, like, I, I just got out of the, uh, like the second big castle that you would encounter in that game um, where uh, your, your character, the, the, the princess uh, dagger, her like uh, uncle Sid is the, like the regent there and he's been turned into a bug. Um, so I did all this stuff in there, but like walking around the town, it's a lot of just talking to, uh, people who are going about their their little lives, and I just find myself like distressingly uninterested in that. You know, like I, I I know there was a time where like I was just interested in the idea of a game world being endlessly deep, and the fact that there were these like little corners of you know I could go and like talk to someone in the shop who's like sweeping up, and they're like I'm, I sure uh, sure do love sweeping, and you're like oh cool. <laughs> But now I'm like, I just, is that going to help me level up? I don't think it will. Um, so, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still playing Final Fantasy IX. Oh, but, but my point is uh, that uh, you know, these like, different levels of interactivity or, um, you know, why it's, it's, it's just weird to me when it's like, what is Final Fantasy trying to be in this moment? Is it trying to be a narrative experience or is it trying to be a game? Um, and I guess... You know, especially at that time, um, like no one really knew how to combine games into like narrative experiences. Uh, that wasn't really something that we were doing yet. And this game very much is a relic of you know '90s uh, ambitious 1990s storytelling games. Um, you know, I would feel the same thing if I popped in uh, Metal Gear Solid um, through the game that clearly doesn't know like how to balance its relationship between its storytelling and its gameplay. Um, but I'm still like half enjoying it. So, so there's that, <laughs> uh, this week end on Friday night, I get a telephone call from my good friend, Andrew Blevins. You may remember last week I was complaining about Andrew 
uh, maybe maybe last week, maybe the week before, um, that he played all of The Witcher um, one and two mm, on his mm-hmm. on his computer. Oh, I remember. You Andrew. remember. Uh, but I get a call from Andrew, and Andrew lives in Washington D.C. Okay, uh, and it's like nine o'clock here. He had heard the episode "Tail Between His Legs." That's right. He was like, "Come over now, watch me play The Witcher." That's right. He wanted me to fly across the country. No, he and his wife had just had a game night at their house, and everyone had gone home. But Andrew was not ready to go to bed. So he was like, let's play Mario Kart. And so we did. Um, I set up a room in, uh, you know, in, in Mario Kart uh, and the Nintendo Switch Online. Um, and Sarah and I were playing on our Switch. And Andrew and his wife were playing on theirs. And it was a great time. That's amazing. That's a real Nintendo Switch Online success That's story. That's a real Nintendo Switch Online success story. I don't even story. know how I, how I would go about setting that up for mario kart i didn't know either how we would go about doing it um and it turns out it's the easiest thing in the world like you go in you create a room or uh you wait for your friend to create in the game in the game yeah you go to the um like the online part of uh of mario kart set up this room and then uh you can set it so that like only your friends can go to it and then if you have any friends online they can see that you've created a room they can hop into it um which I mean, for something like Mario Kart that's so easy to drop in and out of, I might be, I might do this more, um, just because it's fun and easy, and like everyone can play Mario Kart, everyone can have fun doing it, and like yeah, if you want to talk, you're gonna have to just like call people or Facetime them or whatever, but uh, fine, fine, yeah, no, we're no used to that, yeah, <laughs> um, no problem at all. Uh, in addition to that, I continue to play a lot of Tetris ninety nine. Uh, boy, is that a good game? Um, I will play about it for I'll play it forever. But this will probably be the last time I talk about it, just because I don't know how much more I can talk about Tetris. How much more I can talk about Tetris? Um, Sarah and I had a conversation this weekend about T spins and how to execute on those, and we came to the conclusion that neither of us understands them very well. So we will never. Because you you get awarded like bonus points for doing it, right? Yeah, you can get like up to. Like six or eight lines for uh, performing different kinds of T-spins. I, I I don't know what a T-spin is. So a T-spin is when you uh, take one of the T-blocks, the T-shaped blocks, and uh, you spin it into place. Uh, so instead at of like it, the last minute, just at like the, yeah, at the last second, snap. So, so it means that it needs to be um, like uh, it needs to have edges touching on three different sides um, when it goes in to count as like a, a single T-spin, um, and there's a way to make it touch on like a fourth side with that's like a double T spin. It's it. I mean, it, it the, the strategy gets insane and like watching people who are setting up T spins, like T spin setups are some, it's, it's some of the most like mind blowing Tetris playing. Cause it looks terrible until they, <laughs> until they like pull it off and then they just demolish their opponents. So like, that ain't for me, man. Yeah, it's so apparent to me while I'm why I do not do well in Tetris 99. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can win in Tetris 99. You can get first place without doing T-spins. Yeah, as long as 98 other people aren't doing T-spins. Yeah, 98 other people aren't doing T-spins. Look, I know, I know that like I'm uh I, that's an alien world to me, but I feel like it's an alien world to most people. Yeah, I think it's like uh bowling did you ever have like that friend who was really good at bowling because they knew how to put like a counter spin on the ball? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like that's cool. Obviously, that's why you're really good at bowling, but the rest of us were just kind of like hucking it down the Right. And look, we're not gonna invite you next here. time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, you're a jerk. 
Um, I also spent a little bit of time this weekend playing the Nintendo Switch uh, online, specifically playing Super Mario Brothers 2 um, uh, with the uh, NES, uh, actual like NES controllers. And man, that's a that's a good game. Doesn't it just feel nice to have all three of those games on the system now? Yeah. It, uh, Super Mario, when it came out a couple of weeks ago, I played a little bit of it as well. And it's probably the Mario that like, of the main three I'm by far least familiar with. Yeah. I played at least. And so it's the one that I find myself drawn to the most. Yeah. Because it's still a Mario that I recognize and it's a little comfort booty in that way. But it's still like it's not muscle memory at this point. Yeah, I also like as a kid, I must have known a bunch of different warps through that game. So like, there are entire levels that I that are like that feel new to me. Um, even like so, you know, when I try to play now, I just like play through. I'm like, I'm not gonna warp. What's the point of that? Um, but like as a kid, all I wanted to do was see the end. Um, so like the first three levels and the last two are very familiar to me. Um, but everything else, yeah, it's, it's a, a weird mixed bag of, uh, semi new to me stuff. All right. Uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. All right. Today, February 26th, RPG Maker MV is released for the Switch. Man, that RPG Maker is going to be everywhere. And Trials Rising. Uh, so I actually really enjoyed the Trials Rising um, demo that I played at E3 last year. Um, not enough to spend like 50 bucks on the, the completed version of I'll this talk game. no sugar. That's right. No sugar here. Um, but I did like it. It, it was like a, uh, you know, high def uh, excite bike, um, like without the sort of race component of it. Is this a franchise like... Has this game existed in the past? Yeah, I think I think so. It, it's a it's an Ubisoft game, um, and I believe that Trials is a franchise. And I don't know. Did it have a, a like an iPhone edition way back in the day? I don't know. This feels like a very familiar mm. franchise to me. Like I, I've heard a lot about it before, and so I don't know if this is like a new entry in it that's cross platform. I don't know if it's already out on other platforms and is now coming to Switch. So this one is is coming out on all platforms at the same time. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, on the 28th, Ape Out is released, which uh, is kind of like a twin sticks shooter. Like it has that overhead view, uh-huh. except instead of guns, I don't think you have guns. But it, in any case, you're playing as a big old ape. <laughs> big old ape? Uh-huh. And you're like grabbing people and like th- throwing them and they're like smashing against the wall. Do but you it's re- all like cartoony. Do you remember an old like... Is it either like an old DOS game or like an old basic game or something where uh, you control uh, you and your opponent control monkeys that are like standing on tops of buildings, like giant monkeys, and you're throwing bananas at each oh, other? Oh, no, I don't. And you have to like input the like strength that you're throwing the banana <laughs> and the angle. So like it's it's a math problem, really. Um, and so like you do one to see ex- like exactly how far it goes. Um, and it kind of like blows up when it hits buildings and stuff. Um, and all you gotta do is hit your opponent with the banana once and you win. Um, and it's just like a, a trial and error kind of game. Sounds like something, oh, if it's just trial and error, cause I was going to say, it sounds like something we would like all go down to the computer lab to play, to like learn about computers, but also do math problems. I mean, it, I'm sure there was a way to figure it out that I was approaching it as trial and error. <laughs> Uh, and then Deltarune Chapter 1 is also released on February 28th. 
This is the free first chapter of the new game from the developer of Undertale. That's correct. Yay. Uh, March, and it's free. <laughs> March 1st, Toe Jam and Earl Back in the Groove is released. I was confused. I never. I don't think I've ever played a Toe Jam and Earl game. I always confuse them. I conflate it with... Um, Earthworm Jim. Yes, Earthworm Jim. How did I do that? It's a similar style, right? Like, graphically. I mean, I guess the, the characters that are just like two slugs with eyes. I could see where you would confuse that with <laughs> Earthworm Jim. I withdraw my question. Uh, and History 2048. Okay, so History 2048. The only reason I put this on here is that it is the, the game 2048, you know, like the phone game. Where like it's just a, a four by four square of oh, uh, numbers. Okay, yeah. Uh, except instead of numbers, they are like different historical landmarks. Um, and so like you combine you know two coliseums together and you get the Arc de Triomphe or something. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. I yeah, just, that's I, interesting. I just thought it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, but another case of all talk, no sugar. Also, just wanted to point out that there's a March second release. The we uh unusual saturday release of riddled corpses ex uh and of course it is also an unusual release in that it, this will probably be the first time first and only time that there's a game coming to switch called riddled corpses ex edition or not okay mark let's uh get out of the new releases Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a group of performers, or, or a single performer, didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece... Um, this is maybe a little bit of a softer one because we are going to be talking about the Resident Evil 2 remake not currently available on Nintendo platforms. That's right. So there you go. Even though the original Resident Evil 2 was available on Nintendo 64, we're going to overlook it. It's not the version we're talking about. That is not the version we're talking about. So you had the opportunity to play through all of the uh, Claire scenario. Yeah. Um, is that the canonical one? Like playing that first and Leon second? Does I, it make a difference? I, I don't know that there is a difference. Um, when I was a child, I used to do the the Leon one first and uh, Claire uh, as the, the B scenario. The way the game works is that um, there are these two main characters, uh, Leon and Claire, and you can play the first part of the adventure with either one of them and then switch over to the other one for like to see what they were up to at the same time. Um, and uh, Leon is always going to um, run into Ada, um, who's like a, another person that's investigating what's going on there. And Claire is always going to run into Sherry, who's a little girl who is the daughter of one of the scientists uh, that's like experimenting on the virus. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of the Resident Evil game that it's kind of the perfect Resident Evil game, I think. It's the Resident Evil game you always wanted. Yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, for me, the original Resident Evil 2 was the Resident Evil that I always wanted. I bleed that game. Um, I, I, you know, I was obsessed with it to the point where I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted and needed to unlock the fourth survivor scenario, which is uh, the, it's just like an umbrella guy called named Hunk. Um, and what you need to do to unlock his scenario is you need to beat one of the second scenarios in like under two hours without using first aid spray, without saving. 
Um, so like this is something you had to commit yourself to doing. Um, and I think I probably played through that second scenario eight times. The original speedrunner. That's right. Uh, so, like, when, when this game was getting a, a re-release and, like, it was back in the news, I could not have been happier to just, like, hear people talking about Resident Evil 2. Does the hunk scenario survive? Like, the, is... he, he's, he, he does survive, yes. He, he is the fourth survivor from Raccoon City. Oh, sorry. I meant in the Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh, yes. Does, like, if you follow those rules i don't do you know like unlock i don't know if it's the same rules but uh i i believe that there is a a fourth survivor uh scenario yeah so uh resident evil 4 is probably my forever resident evil game yeah but resident evil 2 the uh remake i've only played through one of the scenarios but it's really giving it a run for its money yeah it is like beautiful of course and uh plays really well like uh it is actiony enough that it feels modern, but uh -huh. still has some of like the restrictions that you would expect from a Resident Evil game. Yeah, um, it's really atmospheric. We were talking about before it was released. I think that like, you know, these PS One era, um, survival horror games. Yeah. Or was Resident Evil Two a PS Two game? No, or was it a PS One? PlayStation One. Yeah. Like, it's funny looking back now that we were ever scared of them. Right, because, because graphically they're, so they're like boxy. ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, Resident Evil Two is very effectively uh, nerve-wracking. Yeah, well, and they do so much to improve the uh, like the presentation on these things. Like the voice acting is actually pretty good. Um, the facial animations, like everything, is written well. Like it, it is a surprisingly well-presented game, um, especially compared to you know like Resident Evil's roots are in you know really cheesy, over the top. Uh, acting and writing um and it was still cool to me that like the game is still nodding to uh the the like source material um when leon and uh claire meet each other for the first time um uh, it, leon's like claire get down or she, she's like don't don't shoot and he's like get down and then poof, poof, fires off two shots into a zombie head and that is like beat for beat exactly how it plays out in the original um i it made me so happy that like when they're like there are moments that work in the old story, and we have to present them exactly as they were. Yeah, we talk about in we talk about a lot on this show how remakes are best when they take our memories of the game and create that instead Absolutely. of like the real, instead of like trying to do a faithful recreation of the real thing. And that's totally how I feel about Resident Evil Two because unlike you, Resident Evil Two, for me, I am familiar with it, but not super familiar with it. Yeah, and so. Like, I'm playing through it, and I'm like, I remember this, but I don't. Well, you get the well, idea. I, you get the idea, but we will never know. Uh, we were accompanied today by a musical ensemble at the uh, Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, Arizona. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. In a video posted last week, Nintendo of America president and COO Reggie fils announced that he'll be retiring on April 15th. 2019 sad day mark yeah it is kind of uh reggie's been in that spot since may of 2006 which means he's been there for over 10 years and he did he work at nintendo previous to becoming the president it's uh, it seems like i so i, I tried to like go back and, and look into this it seems like he was only uh working there in a different capacity for a couple months oh okay uh before uh getting a a, a new position there um, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that means that he was there for the launches of the Wii, the 3DS, the Wii U, 
and of course the Switch. Um, it means that he was there for most of the lifespan of the enormously successful DS, um, and uh, you know has been the face of or one of the faces of Nintendo for so long, for like fifteen years, basically. Yeah, which is, um, I mean, basically as long as I've been following Nintendo news. You know, outside of just, like, Nintendo Power or something, like, really... Uh, basically, at the birth of the web. Yeah, no kidding. Like, for... But, like, l- Reggie has been the face of Nintendo. Yeah, for as long as they've been able to do Nintendo Directs or, like, this sort of direct video marketing to... Um, I guess not as long, because I do remember getting, like, a VHS tape in the mail with, a, you know, video of Star Fox 64. <laughs> um but, you know, in like in anything even remotely close to the modern era, he has been one of the faces of that. And uh, I don't know. He's always been in an interesting position because I feel like the president of Nintendo of America really is focused on like marketing and being a brand ambassador. Yeah. And more than they're not really calling the shots as far as like what games are being developed or anything like that. And so... It, he is has been mostly like that sort of like spokesperson who has gotten up there during Nintendo's like tough times and been the one to put on you know the brave face right. and talk trash about competitors during the Wii U era. You right, know? right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's I don't know what it is about that guy because you're right that you know we know him as a brand ambassador. We know him as uh, basically just someone trying to sell us stuff. Um, but for whatever reason, he feels genuine or I don't know. What is that? Do you have any like, I think it's because even though, you know, we don't, we don't know Reggie. I don't know Reggie's personality. I don't know his sense of humor, but in as president of Nintendo of America, he's been willing to be silly. Yeah, totally. In these directs and, you know, like, um, he clearly has a sense of humor and a sense of fun about himself and about the job and about Nintendo that you don't really get from other, like, presidents of video game companies. Yeah, or, like, anyone of uh, any stature at at video game companies. At E3 this last year, I played Starlink next to him. Uh, He and Bill Trinan were at, like, the the, uh, console next to us. That's awesome. Um, And I wanted to go over and say hi to him, but he's so tall. (laughs) And also, you know, he's walking around the Nintendo booth and you're like, well, I can't go. He's he's in his home field advantage here. Like, I can't talk to him. Um, But yeah, uh, what what a guy. I'm going to miss seeing his face on uh, Nintendo Direct stuff. Uh, I'm going to miss reading like interviews with him after any Nintendo announcement. The, you know, the, we would fill our uh, news sections, which is like, oh, yeah, Reggie also said, like, these three things about this. Um, and it's it's always great. I remember uh, one one story uh, about Reggie that I, I always liked was uh, some of the IGN guys were at Nintendo's offices um, shortly after the uh, the 3DS came out. And, uh, you know, it was just like it was an interview about a a couple of other things. And then Reggie reaches into his pocket unprompted and pulls out a 2DS, (laughs) which had never been seen before. And it's just like, oh, yeah, we're coming out with these in a couple months. That's awesome. Um, And they were like, what? (laughs) And and like they went back to the office to like explain it. uh, And everyone in the office was like, are you sure that happened? Because they don't have any like proof. They didn't take any pictures (laughs) of it or anything. And then like four days later, it was actually announced that Nintendo was doing this. What a crazy guy. (laughs) 
with Reggie's retirement, we also learned that Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Doug Bowser, will be stepping into the role. Mark, do you have any jokes to make about that at this time? No, I feel like uh, this show came out too late for any jokes. Uh, the, yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> the internet has really uh, took the ball and ran with it. Yeah, it really drove that one into the ground. <laughs> so if you've got a joke about Bowser running Nintendo of America now, you can email us. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reply with an an upset emoji unless it's really funny unless it's really funny and like original yeah that'd would, be cool in which case I'll steal it on a future episode <laughs> consider yourself um appreciated yeah consider yourself Dane cooked <laughs> in an interview with Newsweek Funko Pop CEO Brian Mariotti expressed interest in producing figurines based on the big Nintendo IPs so we're lo- talking Mario. Zelda, Star Fox, yeah, I Pikmin? mean, I, <laughs> Star Fox sells merchandise if nothing else. Yeah, right? that, that is true. Last year, Funko started making Pokemon figures, starting with Pikachu. They have announced a Bulbasaur for later this year, to be followed by unannounced others in months to come. Uh, Mark, how do you feel about Funko Pops? Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, pretty much indifferent. Yeah, they they've become uh ubiquitous uh, in. A lot of uh, nerd spaces, they're everywhere at, like, Comic-Con or, like, at E3. They're everywhere. Um, so I, I think I have one. I think I have one Funko Pop, and it's the, uh, the Conan O'Brien Ant-Man that I got for <laughs> attending a, a taping of Conan at San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know. Have you seen the pictures of the Bulbasaur? It's pretty cute. It is pretty cute. I don't think the Pikachu looks good. Uh, the the Pikachu looks like kind of chunky and like weird, and, like its head is too big, but not like in a fun red or like yellow type way. No, <laughs> no, it is not like the classic <laughs> fat Pikachu. Uh, but the Bulbasaur is cute, so I don't know if uh, if you're hurting for. But look, we're gonna get a Bulbasaur amiibo. Like, why would you need a Funko Pop Bulbasaur? Uh, I feel like I don't know if Funko Pops how much staying power they'll have, but I know that they are hot commodities. When they come out for some of these, I don't know if they're limited edition. Yeah, they must be because people like will line up for them. Yeah, um, and buy them and keep them in box and and everything like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I suppose it's the same kind of thing as amiibo that like people buy them because they like them, and I guess all the more power to you. Um, it's just it's not something that I have been able to connect with. Hey, uh, speaking of Pokemon. Uh, we're coming up on Pokemon Day later this week, February 27th. Yay! Uh, this is the day the original Pokemon games were released in Japan. But the reason we're talking about it, other than just a general celebration of Pokemon Day, is that in the days leading up to February 27th, the official Pokemon International Twitter account has been posting travel videos for each region in the franchise. So, like, they're, they're cute, right? Like, they're, it's like, come to, come to Kanto, and it, like, tells you a couple things about the environment and the Pokemon, and, like, treat, they treat it as though it is a uh, real thing and real places that you could really visit. It's especially interesting because they started with Kanto, uh, which is Gen 1, on February 20th, so, and they've posted a new one every day since then for right. each generation, and so if that pattern continues that means that gen 8 would be would coincide with the Pokemon 27th day. yeah so does that mean that we are going to find out something about the location for uh generation 8 or are they will we get like a uh, a pokemon direct 
who knows? Like there there could be real big information incoming uh in re Pokemon. Also, from February 27th to March 5th, Twitch is streaming a bunch of Pokemon series and movies for free. Uh, yeah, at, at uh, twitch.tv slash twitchpresents. There's going to be a bunch of new merchandise available on pokemoncenter.com. And there are also some card game related events, and you can check the Pokemon website to learn more about those. Yeah, so, you know, uh, Pokemon uh, doing good by people who play Pokemon. So this next one is a little bit of a seismic rumor for me. That Xbox Game Pass could be coming to Switch. Okay, so we have talked uh, briefly in the past about uh, the Xbox Live app coming to Nintendo Switch, and or in functionality, yeah, not just like the app. Yeah, well, I guess, and I mean, honestly, we don't really know about that or any of this. Sure, really, fair. Uh, everything totally is still fair. still within the the realm. It's of, all speculation. It's all rumor. it's all speculation at this point. Um, but the speculation has just gotten a little bit more um, specific, I guess. So uh, it kind of feels like the dam broke last week because a rumor originally reported by Direct Feed Games, which is a YouTube channel, and partially corroborated by Game Informer's Imran Khan. Imran. Give it up for Khan. Uh, suggests that Nintendo and Microsoft have been working together on bringing more than just the Xbox Live app to the Switch. The plan in would involves Microsoft publishing some of their previously exclusive games natively on the Switch, like physical versions of these you could buy in stores, um, or that you could buy in the uh, eShop. In, in the eShop, yeah. yeah. So Game, games that would be running, like actu- actually running on the Switch. Uh, Ori in the Blind Forest, which was one game that DirectFeed's game cited as an example of a less technically demanding game that could be played on Switch. Right. And, you know, uh, Microsoft has uh, at least a handful of uh, games that are sort of smaller in scale that you could see not being a huge technical demand uh, on the hardware. You know, something like Cuphead. Um, oh, yeah. That was the other one that was mentioned in these yeah. rumors was Cuphead. Uh, that, that could really be, uh, that could be on Switch. And, you know, when you uh, consider that... Um, Obviously, Minecraft is on all platforms, which is a uh, a studio owned by Microsoft. Um, also, uh, Hellblade: Senua's Sacrifice is uh, an, another game that is now that that studio is owned by Microsoft now. Um, it wasn't at the time that the game was originally released, uh, but they do belong to Microsoft now, and they that a version of that game is coming out on Switch. So, like that sort of thing isn't one hundred percent unprecedented, um, but uh, a like commitment to it is interesting and exciting. And then the third prong of these like Xbox rumors. So you have Xbox Live coming to Switch. You have Microsoft uh, p- having their games published for Switch. And then the third part is that Microsoft's Game Pass service, which is their streaming game service, where you pay like a monthly fee and then have access to like a hundred games or something. Then they're always adding more to it. That uh, that would become available on switch as well right so and the streaming portion of it yes so uh uh xbox game pass allows you to either stream or download um mm, okay uh, uh xbox games and all uh, there was something was it over um e3 this year maybe it was around that time at some point last year um that xbox announced that all new xbox first party games would be day one releases on game pass meaning 
that uh, the new rare game, Sea of Thieves, was you were going to be able to play that for free with your Xbox Game Pass subscription at the same time that everyone else who paid $60 for this new game uh, was going to be able to play it. This is huge to me. Yes. Um, so if you are able to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass on your Switch, and then the only way that you're able to play those games is by streaming them. Um, again, this would mean that you would need to have like a, a solid internet connection um, and then just like pay a monthly subscription. Well, so first of all, does this sound like something that you would be interested I'm in? I'm 100% on board. Yeah. Because I, I love my Switch. I want to be able to play every game yes. on my Switch. And this seems like a great way to do it. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the the thing that's so neat about it is uh, I've, I've never really been an Xbox guy. So there are, like, games that I'm interested in on the platform and, uh, you know, series that I've never really gotten into just because I'm like, that's not part of what I play. Um, but, like, if, I'm master, if I can play the Master Chief collection, the, the collection of Halo games on my switch like while sitting at home especially if i don't have to pay like uh something to buy that game it's just like a a subscription service man that sounds great yeah i mean we've talked about in the past in japan ubisoft had a Mm -hmm. um test where they streamed uh assassin's creed odyssey that's right in japan and uh capcom did it with resident evil 7 yep and like i'm interested in resident evil 7 i haven't picked it up for my ps4 um like you're saying, like there are Xbox games that I don't own an Xbox. I haven't since the 360 generation, and I yeah would I'd be t- I'm totally on board for this 100 percent absolutely. Yeah. And it also like it kind of seems like it makes sense to me that the that both of these companies would be interested in doing it. I don't know uh, if if this is a, a question mark for you, but I've uh, just encountered like some sort of uh, you know scuttlebutt about it on the internet. People being like, "What's in it for Microsoft?" and "What's in it for Nintendo?" Um, so, but like, it makes the, I believe that, um, in the next generation of, uh, like hardware of, of consoles, we're going to see a a PlayStation five that looks like a PlayStation four, but is like newer and nicer. Um, and you know, maybe we'll see a new Nintendo thing at some point, but like whatever Microsoft new system is going to be, is going to be anchored on its ability to stream stuff. So I don't, the latest rumors that i heard is that we will see a reveal of the X, new xbox at e3 this year great and that it's going to be two two different systems there is like the full featured xbox 2 or whatever they're going to call it and then there's just a small streaming box yeah well and i think that the 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 small streaming box is sort of like just for people who don't already have a different thing that will run their streaming uh their streaming software on on other hardware right like the you're going to be able to get uh xbox game pass on your phone on your tablet on your switch maybe um let that like that that's how these pillars are going to break down nintendo will be your portable machine uh playstation will be your home console and xbox will be the streaming platform that appears on everything yeah i mean i think this is just a from the Xbox side, it just makes sense because it's how Microsoft's business businesses work. Totally. Right? You know, like, Microsoft makes a s- Surface products, and they're trying to make these, like, best-in-class products that are kind of maybe kind of like a guiding light for other computer or tablet developers who are working in the Windows space, right? Yeah. I can see the same exact thing for 
Xbox, where they're still making Xbox hardware, but where they're making like their money is on in licensing this software and people subscribing to their services. Absolutely. I mean, like uh, Microsoft has pivoted Office to being a subscription service. Yeah. No, this makes perfect sense that you can't. I mean, you'll still be able to buy an Xbox, but the idea that you aren't really buying the Xbox, what you're doing is like paying a subscription to the license for the Xbox products. Right. Like you can get Office anywhere. It's on your iPhone. It's yep. on, you know, it, and they all work together. And I think that seems to be very clearly the vision for where, what they want Xbox to be as well. And it makes sense. Like, you know, they're buying all of these developers, but a lot of the developers are like, um, they're not AAA developers, yeah. right? And that fits with this where it's like, we don't need a tech showcase. We need a game that will draw people in and get them to want to like subscribe and that they can play on any of their platforms. Yeah. Well, and I think that'll be where uh, it ends up being the most like exciting and where the implementation is going to be the most novel is where you will be playing it on your Xbox, right? Or on your computer. And it'll be like the you know high res version of everything with all the sliders turned up you know as high as they go and everything looks great. And then you take it on the go, and because the whole thing is in Game Pass and Xbox Live, that you know you're playing on your Switch and you're streaming it and you're playing in bed and your save automatically transfers to it because it's all in the cloud. Uh, like it'll it, it it'll be a magical thing uh, when it works. And I mean it it seems like. It's not even a far-flung future anymore. It's just, like, that's where Xbox is, um, and the rest of the world seems to catch up to it. Yeah, I. so the, part of the rumor is that um, we will hear more about that this year. Yeah. But maybe, I think one thing I was reading, and again, this is all speculation, none of this might happen at all. Is that, We're very excited <laughs> about this speculation. Is that Game Pass, the Game Pass service part of it wouldn't happen until next year. Oh, okay. Um, but might be announced this year. I don't know. I think it's going to be super exciting. It makes sense to me. Microsoft and like Nintendo are only competing in the most nominal terms that they're both in the video game space, but they're, um, and that there's a limited amount of video game dollars to go around, but their real competition is Sony. Yeah. You know, like that's who they compare themselves to. And it seems great for both companies. Sony and Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting crushed by Fortnite. Uh, Square Enix has filed a trademark for a collection of mana in Japan. Square Enix published the Seiken Densetsu collection, which is the Japanese name for the mana games, in Japan in 2017. Weirdly, the trademark is for Japan and not for Europe or North America, leading to some confusion as to whether or not this is just a Western release of all three uh, games in one collection in the West. Yeah, um, a, a little bit on the confusing side. I wonder if they're... No, I don't really have a... a, a why would they do this? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a mobile game. Oh. <laughs> maybe it's not actually oh, a collection. <laughs> maybe oh, it's just, boy. Uh, just telling you what this game is going to be. Yeah, maybe. You're just going to collect resources, <laughs> mana, even. Yep. Um, because <laughs> What I, if it's a brand new game called Collection of Mana? <laughs> oh, my God. Because I think that if they brought... The um like Mana series trilogy collection thing over to the West, it would not have the third game, which has never been released here. Yeah, I don't think they're going to pay to localize it or anything like that. So, um, but it'll maybe it'll be interesting to see 
what this is. If anything, maybe we'll never talk about it ever again. Maybe we won't. And finally, we got release dates for the bunch of Resident Evil games coming to Switch this year. Resident Evil 1, the remake, Resident Evil, and Resident Evil 0, and Resident Evil 4 will be coming to the platform on May 21st, 2019, available for, like, pre-order February 28th. Mm-hmm. Uh, in North America, there will be a Resident Evil Origins collection, uh, which is a bundle of the first two games, Zero and uh, a Remake, at retail. And then Resident Evil 4 will only be available as a download. And in Europe, it's all just, it's all download. There's no bundle in Europe. Um, Mark, are you going to buy these games? I'm going to buy four. No question, hands down. I don't think I'm going to buy Zero or a Remake. Mm, I don't currently own a copy of either of those games. Any, any of the, any three, any of these three games, uh, which seems like a a hole in my heart. I haven't played four since the Wii version, so really excited to play that again. I have the remake when it was like on PlayStation Plus, like a PlayStation oh, Plus yeah. game. So Maybe I, I do have it have there. That. Uh, and I mean, remake is a great game, and Zero I just don't really have a lot of fondness for. Um, I do like Zero. I will, re- I will definitely revisit Zero. That's the one of these uh, three games that I probably know the least. Um, man, I do like Resident Evil. Why do I like these games so much, Mark? Uh, nostalgia. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, you should share it. Mark would like that. I would love it. Uh, You can do that on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. Um, On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. And the Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying we're all competing with Fortnite. And thanks for listening.